Welcome back to the Sins Food Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we are in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 reads, On a Sabbath, while he was going through the grain fields, his disciples plucked and ate some of the heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands. But some of the Pharisees said, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And Jesus answered them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those with him. He said to them, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. And the scribes and the Pharisees watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they might find a reason to accuse him. But he knew their thoughts, and he said to the man with a withered hand, Come and stand here. And he rose and stood there. And Jesus said to him, Then I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save a life or to destroy it? And after looking around at them all, he said to them, Stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored, but they were filled with fury and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. In those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured, and all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgiven you will be forgiven. Given it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. 
Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye and do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. For our nugget of truth for today, we're really going to focus in on a theme that we see throughout this chapter. That theme is the thought that what Jesus is teaching is far different than what the world teaches and expects. We see that here with the Sabbath. We see that with the healing that he does on the Sabbath. We see that also in these teachings of the Beatitudes and the woes, loving the enemies, the judging of others, as well as the whole thought of what you found your life on. But we're really going to focus in here on this concept that we see in the middle of the section that in my Bible says, love your enemies. But what we see here is that Jesus teaches that the Christian life is something radically different than others because it is a life that is focused on others instead of oneself. I want us to really focus in on this because what we see here is that this teaches us a principle that we see Jesus interacting with multiple times over the course of his ministry on earth. So he corrects this teaching by saying, But I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. He then gives examples of what this looks like in situations where you're going to say, hey, this really doesn't make sense in terms of how you are to respond to the people around you. But if you focus in here and what we want to focus in on on verse 32 teaches us the greater principle that is here. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Basically, what he's telling them is the situations and the ways in which the people of God are acting is the same as the sinful people around them. He says, if you're going to live like me, it's going to look different than the sinful people that are around you. Because if you're going to live in just a way that's serving yourself, it's not actually going to make it so that you as God's people are set apart from others. One of the things that I always told students when I taught through this passage when I was in uh, an elementary school setting was to think about the way that they chose their friends or the way that they would invite people to do different parts of their life. The world teaches, hey, you want to invite the people who you are going to get a reciprocal effect from. So invite the person over to have a sleepover with you who's going to invite you back and probably has better toys or a better house or a better situation. Or invite the person to your birthday party that you know is going to bring the best gift or is going to invite you to a better birthday party in the future. And what I would tell them is, if you're doing that, as you extend these invitations, you're not actually being a loving person. Because really what you're saying is, I want to serve myself by allowing you to be a part of what I'm doing here. Instead, 
What this passage would teach is that you extend that invitation to anyone around you, regardless of what you're going to gain in return, not because of the thought that you could actually get something from them, but because it's the right thing to do. They're all equal in God's eyes and are all worthy of that opportunity. And so as they would work through these things of inviting friends and work through these situations of who would come to their birthday party, it would be a better thought for them to understand the fact that all should be invited. And if those people can't come or choose not to be there, that's their choice. But instead to show that God is saying, when you live life, don't live just like the people who are around you because then you will not be set apart as God's people. So as we view this in the context of what Luke is developing as the gospel of Jesus Christ, is this is one of the first times that he's really displaying what Jesus is telling or teaching or asking of the people who follow him. We've seen his miracles. We've seen these different accounts of what he's doing as the son of God here on earth. But this is when he begins to say, here's what my people, my followers the people of God are going to be like. And so I think it's important that we notice how radically different this is and how the focus is on setting these people apart from those around them, displaying what God calls them to do and to be in the midst of a culture who is against them. And so as we think about that today, hopefully it's challenging us to think about how is it that I am set apart from the culture around me? Am I blending in? Am I merging into that? Or am I truly set apart as a beacon, a light, a pillar of hope for those around me to see that they have an opportunity to hear the truth of the gospel, to see what it is that allows me to live a radically different life than those around? A main question that we often have in this passage is, we kind of have the Sermon on the Mount here just in Luke's retelling of it. So how is it that Matthew and Luke's accounts are so different? Matthew has three chapters. Luke Luke here has less than a whole chapter, and then he moves on. But remember, we've said it's very important to allow these gospel writers and the writers of Scripture to be able to have their perspective included in what's going on. This is obviously an abridged form of what Matthew records because it has much less information and then moves right on to the next thing. Even if we look at the Beatitudes, obviously the Beatitudes are very small here. And in that, we see that they also move on to this section of woes right after. And so it could be that Luke has compiled this from different sections and he's put it all together here in his narrative. Could be that he was uh, recording this as it was given to him and uh, it was just really the highlights of what was there. We see kind of the end of this is also the end of what Matthews is and a big focus on the radical different life of what God is calling them to do, but doesn't necessarily have all of the details that Matthew has. It's important that we allow that perspective to come through. He's not saying, and thus Jesus said word for word. Uh, even as you look up here, the Beatitudes section is one that seems like it is specifically him speaking to this multitude that's there on the seashore. After that, we see that there are some other marks where it could be that this is a teaching even from a different time, such as verse 39, where it says he also told them a parable that kind of breaks up the extended discourse of what he's saying. And so Luke has compiled these teachings together. He's put them in this situation here. Not necessarily should it always be seen that these are definitely 
done in the same chronological order because he's definitely has a certain perspective and a certain focus on what he is doing to write, to build what's going on as he will move into the next chapter to show some more of the healings and the teachings of Jesus as he moves forward in his story. So don't forget, allow the gospel writers to have their perspective as you read through what's going on. We want to always try to harmonize them as much as we can, but it's important that we allow them to have the perspective that they're each writing with. So as you read this passage today, think about a question that you have, search for that answer, speak together with one another. If you were at camp, you heard us talk about reading the Bible frequently and curiously, asking questions of the text, speaking of that with others. That's what we're trying to do as we work through this today. Know today as you do that, you are loved. You're